0: We, do, we have a, a way of listening to and interacting with that, and this, this improves that, or, it, or it's related to that. So when you take something like Silas Ivan, that, that can be heightened when, when it comes back on, so it's quite interesting, This kind of real internal intuition and, and communication to your body.
1: You're listening to The Ripples Podcast, and I'm your host, Sarah Fretwell. This is the place where you can find inspiring stories and unique insights from founders in the health, wellness and tech space. These conversations have created ripples of change in my life, and I hope they do the same for you. In this episode, I chat to Alex Sesto, a London-based movement specialist and founder of Flow State Collective. We chat about his journey from lessons with Ida Portal to starting Flow State Collective, to his experiences with psychedelics, microdosing and what he's found over the years when it comes to the safest way to experience psychedelics. He chats about his upcoming retreats in Costa Rica and Wales, his men's circles and how he's incorporating psychedelics into his training, into his coaching and into his events. Tell me um tell me what you've been up to. I mean, Flow State, how's it going with with Flow State Collective?
0: Great. Um Obviously, you know we've come away from a crazy year and not been able to gather and get together, which has been it's been challenging. It's you know just inter- just from the point of just missing having that that outlet and that connection with people. Um, yeah. So we've we've recently started the classes back up again, um, which has been amazing, um, and we, we're doing those over in Battersea Park, um, and it's just been great to just reconnect with people and to and to start you know getting back to that that type of work again um, so they've, they've been going really well at the moment we're, we're running them every two weeks in Battersea um, and as the summer goes on we're gonna sort of pad out the offering and include more classes throughout that time as well yeah focusing on various different things so yes yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah it's been great it's been great to get back to it I definitely missed it
1: so how did you get into the movement the movement that you're doing because I Like, you do such cool movements, like, I don't know how you do it, but it's kind of inspired by lots of different, um, lots of different sort of movement backgrounds.
0: Yeah, I think for me, I I originally got interested in the gymnastic side of things, and the first kind of bit of kit that I started to explore outside of, you know, traditional dumbbells and kettlebells and barbells and whatnot was the parallettes. And I just used to tag a bit of parallel training into my sessions and just started to explore L-sits and being able to control my body through space on them. And it became really addictive seeing this, the process of developing more and more self-control. And then I I gravitated towards the rings and started (laughs) to take some of the parallel work into the rings as well. And again, just just found it super interesting, the process of, of, controlling my body and and figuring out how to perform movements that require you to really have a deep self-awareness and sense of awareness of of, of how to get through the the pattern that you're trying to do and then then I came across um, Ido Portal yes you've heard of him have you
1: yeah 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 yeah. I haven't actually I was going to sign up to one of his um, movement courses before but I think I was doing sort of like different handstand stuff and like a lot of different things but yeah he's awesome
0: Mm. Brilliant and I I saw what he was doing and saw the way he moved and I just thought oh that's that's super interesting. I didn't really understand it and I didn't know you know where to start so to speak in terms of trying to train like that. Um, Then ended up going to a few workshops with him and some of his other teachers and then from that point they were were really game-changing experiences really with how I approached Developing myself physically, and then through the the person who I run flow state with, Bo Wilson, we would often train together and bounce ideas off each other, and just just keep exploring. And over the years, we've just managed to kind of carve out a way of training ourselves and a way of delivering movement training. Because movement training, I think, it's this sort of building in popularity, but it's such a an ambiguous word. It doesn't really say anything, you know, it's, movement is such a wide, general yeah word that it's it's kind of um it doesn't it's very difficult to get across what what that even really is when you're talking to people that have never had any exposure to it yeah so yeah so we we sort of explored how we might go about delivering interesting movement sessions for people that just and the way we, where we sort of landed with it was sort of splitting the training into the idea of having linear strength which is a lot rooted in gymnastics. So it's things like handstands and ring work, things where you're set up for, um, quite evenly in terms of your ability to exert force and strength, um, squats and all this all this other thing. And then the idea of nonlinear strength. This is where you're coming out of alignment, twisting and turning, rotating, and really coming into lots of unusual movement patterns. And this is obviously much more closely linked to sports because never really set up in a linear way when you're playing a sport, you're often in unusual positions and there's a lot more rotation kind of occurring. And the way we kind of explore this is through games and through setting up uh, like a creative limitation, so to speak. So you're exploring a game and and Mm -hmm. you have to use your physicality to solve the, the problem that the game presents. And this is done through a lot of partner work and it just makes really interesting physical explorations. And then the the, other, the third sort of area is the idea of locomotion. So this is moving your body through space, um, down on yeah. the floor. So floor work, and this is where you're kind of combining the strength and the mobility that you develop through the linear practice, and then also the it's almost like upgrading the software. We say when you're loading your joints in these non-linear patterns and, and building up a you know reference system for for how to. Keep your balance and keep stable when you're in a compromised position. And yeah. then you're learning in the locomotion. You're learning technical movements, you know, specific sort of hand and foot placement in terms of how you get through the movements. And then just exploring what 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 can you kind of con- cognitively put together, um, in that sense as well. So those are the sort of three main areas that we explore. And yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it's something that over the years I keep sort of chipping away at and keep new things keep being unlocked and i, I find it's I, my body feels really good and open and it's just uh yeah I, I really enjoy teaching it and and exploring it myself and i feel like even though i'm you know I'm 37 now and i feel like i've got a lot more years left in me of, of improvement in there which is quite exciting to think where where i'll be which, yeah and you know, i, when I keep, keep exploring it
1: well it sounds like it because um I think I I went in I think I did some training it was like before COVID 2019 and I'd seen the sort of moves you know where it looks graceful and the movements just look so fluid it's kind of almost like a dance and I was like oh, I want to be able to do that um and I did some training with like a a great movement practitioner and then was kind of like oh I've got a lot of strength stuff to work on before I even mm-hmm. get get to that stuff I think I went in being like I want to learn the macaca uh is mm-hmm. it the m- Makaka? and then out, yeah. yeah ended up just going straight back to square one box jumps
2: <laughs> like
1: <laughs> jump lunges I was kind of like there's so much to it and there's um yeah what you do is awesome yeah. so yeah
0: I mean the, the fun- fundamentals um so people call them the basics but I think that doesn't do them justice you know mm-hmm. they're more than basics those sort of initial things that you have to learn they're fundamental to building a solid practice with it and that that idea that you mentioned of the the graceful nature of some of the movement that you see is is so interesting and it's, it's such a trick because I often look at you know practitioners that are far more advanced than I am and see them performing these movements so gracefully. And then it's, mm. you sort of think, oh, that, that can't be that hard. And I try it and it's like, what is going on here? This is so, so much deceptive. harder. And yeah, it's, it, you just, and you just really realise that grace, it comes from having such control of such strength. And it's the more graceful something looks, the more strength is being exerted. And it's, yeah. it's quite interesting, that dynamic, because it, it doesn't appear that way. It's almost like you're masking the appearance of, of the strength because it looks so effortless, but that is when you're actually being the strongest.
1: Yeah, it's deceptive. It's pretty humbling as well. So I've got a, I've, yeah, I've, I've got a lot of. Go. Maybe I'll come train with you. <laughs> um, yeah, you come,
0: come, come and join a session.
1: Yeah. Um. But uh, so, why flow state? Why is it so? I know a bit about flow state. Um. Obviously, we're going to get onto talking about kind of psychedelics. But is the kind of mm-hmm. movement movement work you do? Um. Flow state, psychedelics—like—is this all kind of connected? Um, Everything's
0: you... connected. <laughs>
1: yeah. John Hopkins song, I love it.
0: <laughs> um, so, no, the name came about because well, flow state is a state of mind where you're fully immersed in the present moment with a feeling of energized focus, and you know, no, no other thoughts are coming in. You're just deeply embedded in the present moment, and you can get into flow state writing you can get into it playing an instrument there's there's you know playing a sport there's many different ways but we thought it's quite an interesting thing to explore um when you're working physically and the, the thing with flow state is that to to enter to enter flow state the challenge of the task that you're performing has to be met by your skill level
2: mm-hmm. so if, you,
0: if it's too difficult a challenge then you'll just you know you'll be frustrated and you won't be able to get into and find that flow if it's too easy you know you're thinking about you know what you're gonna do that evening with your, with your mates or you know what you're gonna have for dinner so, so it needs to be this perfect balance of, of challenge and skill level and it's quite interesting um, to explore we find after every session that we do group the group sessions I mean we'll have a, a reflection Period where we just catch up and and sit down and talk about what the practice and and how you know how it went for us, what we found interesting, challenging, and and often what comes up from people is this kind of without even sort of really thinking about it, they realize that they were just fully immersed in in the drills and there was nothing else coming in. And this is where it sort of almost feels like moving meditation.
2: Yeah.
0: So we kind of found that a lot, and it just felt like such a fitting word to attach to what the practice gives. And what we what we what we're hoping to achieve through exploring it, and yeah, yeah it can be applied to handstands. It can be applied to the the movement gains that we're exploring, and even the the locomotion patterns. And often with the locomotion patterns that we explore, excuse me, <clears throat> um, you'll initially be trying to do them, and you're very much in your head, and you're thinking about every single next step, about where your hand's supposed to go, about where your foot's supposed to be placed. But then once you repeat it enough that thinking brain sort of switches off a little bit and it becomes a lot more just about feeling about feeling you know what feels right and Mm -hmm. that's when you can really start to think about entering flow state
1: so Um, so it's kind of the repetition like you have to go through the same movement the same sort of whatever you're doing just keep repeating it for a number of minutes until you're able to sort of access a flow yeah
0: absolutely and you know it might even be you know you don't find if if it's a locomotion pattern you don't find that it feels like it's flowing that whole session but then once you come back to it you know and it's been able to marinate in your brain for a little while you know you might be able to find it the next session and I always always give the analogy of, of babies learning to walk and you know when they're first learning to walk They're not very good at walking. They stumble, they fall over all the time, but they don't have the the thing that we develop where, you know, we want to be good at everything straight away and we get frustrated if we don't get, we don't proceed as quickly as we feel like we should be. And then we inevitably end up giving up and saying, oh, okay, that's not for me. those, Those guys can do that. I can't do that. But as a baby, you just keep on playfully exploring. And then eventually, you know, you're walking, you don't even have to think about it. And it's the same with any movement if you just keep on exploring and you don't allow the frustration to set in and to, um, or the, the ego to say, to kind of limit you and say, oh, you know, that's not for me, that's for somebody else. Then eventually, you know, you unlock it and it becomes second nature. And there's there's so many movements now that perform so many times. It it really doesn't feel any different to, to, you know, performing something as simple as walking. It's just through Mm. that repetition.
1: Yeah. And you talk a lot about the kind of the ego, um, like the ego I guess like when you're doing something when like it doesn't have to be movement you're practicing something but you're aware or you're trying or you're getting frustrated or you're aware people watching then you're not gonna be able to be in flow state because you're just kind of mm. would you say that's correct or do you
0: absolutely do you... yeah I mean these things you know the, the things like it's interesting because a lot of quite deeper philosophical ideas can come up through exploring how you relate to your movement practice and exploring things like fear and things like, like fear of looking stupid, fear of, Mm. you know, actually not being able to perform it and maybe hurting yourself and, and how this comes up and how we deal with it is, is always quite interesting because ultimately what you can learn or if you can overcome some senses of that in, in the movement practice, it kind of gives you a little bit of a framework for how you might overcome it in other areas of life. So quite interesting when you can really tie in these bigger ideas into into life, you know, from from just how you train and how you move. Yeah, They're definitely there. There's that that, that crossover is, is certainly there, and you can see you can see the the wider picture when you when you analyze it and talk about it.
1: Yeah, and I find that with me when I'm doing movement practice, like I have to have some kind of music going on that's going to help me get into that like flow state that we're talking mm-hmm. about. So, I mean. I know you're a big music person as well. I think you sent me, what was it? I think I followed some of your tracks um, before, but it's like kind of like that flow state music where it just helps you just get into, into mm. that. So is music quite a big part of your, um, your training as well? Or do you kind of practice without? Yes, uh,
0: certainly. Um, yeah, music is, is a huge part of it. And um, once you're, particularly in locomotion, And that sort Mm -hmm. of thing you can kind of you know depending on the type of music that's playing it might tease out certain qualities or the tempo and the pace that you're moving at might might change through it but yeah and particularly also in the partner games as well i find that the type of music um has a huge effect on certainly the speed that people perform the tasks at and i think it just adds a beautiful layer of of something to um to connect to while you're in that zone and it can certainly help you get into a deeper state of, of flow if the music's right and it's yeah. not too not too jarring and it feels right for the the type of movement that you're doing
1: yeah yeah i definitely find it helps um mm. especially if you're kind of just in that state or you're struggling and you just kind of practice with music i mean even when i'm doing yoga there's always some kind of musical in the background um mm-hmm. But um, so let's go on to the topic, because what are you doing in the psychedelic realm? You've got realm, you've got um, retreats coming up. Do you want to talk about the retreats that, or the kind of the so, events you're doing?
0: Absolutely. So, I mean, my the experience with psychedelics started around eight years ago. And the first, um, I tried something called DMT. Yeah,
1: I've maybe heard. I've never, I've never taken it, but apparently it's, it lasts about 25 minutes, but it's really, really intense.
0: Yeah, so it's probably even, even a bit less than that, to be honest. it's probably more like sort of, you know, 10 minutes, maybe, maybe slightly longer. Um, and I'd, I'd heard about it and done a lot of research about it and then finally got the opportunity to have an experience with it. And it was just... Completely mind blowing, and, and when I reflect back on what that experience gave me, you know, it's, it definitely changed my life and, and helped me to to find the path that I'm on now. And it's a path now that I think is really aligned to who I really am authentically. And I think before that, I'd kind of veered off of that and were, sort of built a life that was a little bit inauthentic and wasn't, you know, really reflective of the true nature of who I am. And I think that led to depression and led to you know a lot of disharmony in in my life Mm -hmm. and so this was yeah this was a real catalyst for um yeah finding my path really and um, from that point i became really interested in in exploring what these things are, and I, I just viewed because DMT was the first psychedelic I ever did. I, I when I, when it came to things like psilocybin and LSD, I, I just sort of didn't see them as these recreational things. I saw them more as as tools to explore yourself
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, internally. And so from that point, I had had number of number of experiences with psilocybin, with ayahuasca, um, and LSD as well. And, All of these different medicines have been really interesting and eye opening in what they can do for people. Yeah. So and then what I got really interested in was thinking about how I could take some of the elements of what those experiences can give you and then incorporate that into some sort of retreat or some sort of experience for people to take part in. And so what we're planning at the moment is we're talking to a place in Costa Rica where we'll be taking groups out there for um, psilocybin experiences. Yeah. Week-long experiences there and various different other practices around it to do with movement, journaling and different, different tools for integrating what Mm -hmm. the experience is. Um, And it's just, it's felt like a path that has just been, has been really easy. To and for me to walk down and, and calling me down, um, and it's just because of yeah the the, the absolute amazing way that they work. And so, do you have you had much experience with this sort of thing? Do you know sort of how what they are and how, how they work at all? Or
1: I'd say, I'd say I'm still like a, a definitely a beginner in this whole thing because mm. it's massive, like, the, there's so much to learn about it, and I mean, I've dipped my toes in, um, I've tried truffles tried the magic mushrooms but I've never done a retreat and I've never gone further than just kind of you know recreational uh, recreational fun type small dose um Mm -hmm. so but it's scary as well like you just don't know as you don't know sort of where it's going to go and I think if I was to go any deeper with it i'd like to be in a space where i feel like it's the purpose is because you're in the space to do yeah, to, like, yeah there's so something, yeah
0: there's something huge about sort of being really intentional with it and being somewhere that has a degree of ritual a degree of ceremony around it as well I kind of think i think it it sets the tone for what the experience will be um, in a yeah. in a really in a really good way
1: I think cuz I think it's it's really interesting how what like the state of your of your mindset when you go in can totally dictate the type of, ex, of experience you're at, you're going to have and also who you're with um mm-hmm. where, where you are like you know there's times where I've been kind of outside and it's just been like way too intense and uh, you kind <laughs> of need like just a bit of safety so um but yeah i mean i don't really know how they work i know follow paul stamets a lot um mm-hmm. and i know that um they trigger neuron new neuron pathways in the brain and um mm-hmm. really connected to the hypothen- but yeah talk about more because i'm so interested
0: yeah so it's quite interesting because of the way that they work that you know they're attached to the serotonin receptors and then there's also something called the the default mode network that, that they kind of interact with in a, in a really interesting way um, and the default mode network is super interesting so it's, it was when when your brain is at rest they the previous thinking was that it's just at rest and there's not much going on but then what they more recently found is that actually it's not at rest there's, there's a network of And it's not in any one localized area it's across the brain but it's a network of of um, neurological pathways that are linked together that are are engaged when you're at rest and so then you you, so you've got this default mode network and then you've got the type of brain activity when you're involved in a task or task task appropriate um, action and when this is happening the default mode networks off so it's kind of like it's an on off switch so when you when one's it's like antagonistic and agonistic muscles you know when one's working the other one's not and then
2: mm-hmm.
0: one's working the other one's not and so this default mode network is where you're going to be engaging in things like self-reflection um theory of mind this other thing called interoception and yep. autobiographical 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 memory, not as a mouthful. <laughs>
2: Um
0: and so these things are all really interesting, when you understand what they are because of of how when you take psilocybin, the default mode network is is not on it it kind of switches off for a while and so this this is what we talk about when you hear about things like ego death, although that sounds really dramatic and daunting yeah it, it's something that People can hear and it's quite unsettling to think that experience can bring you to the point of completely changing who and what you think you are but it's not it's not so much of a death it's so much as it's this dissolution of what it is it's, it kind of dissolves a little bit um, so let me just go back to so the default mode network and yeah
1: the, go back, the, back to that because I'm oh still not yeah clear
0: so okay. so. So these things that it's responsible for one of the things is called is interoception and what this is is your understanding of what's going on inside your body so all of the inner sensations sensory processes the receiving of information and the internal bodily signals that come up through the organs we do we have a, a way of listening to and interacting with that and this this improves that what it's related to that so when you take something like psilocybin that can that can be heightened when, when it comes back on so it's quite interesting this kind of real internal intuition and, and communication mm. to your body
1: i guess that's why you feel like a scent your you know sense of touch sense of smell whatever it mm. is like sight i mean colors mm. like everything's a bit more vibrant um i guess yeah. that's that's why they sort of call it a trippy is that is that because of that
0: the, the 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 sort of the visual aspect of it.
1: Well, I guess like your sensory experience and your mm-hmm. um, your internal, just everything is sort of like Avatar, I guess. Um, yeah, that's yeah. what it feels like sometimes.
0: Yeah, it can, yeah, to- totally relate to that. There's, um, you know, it's some sort of similarities to early childhood, where you know we're we're very much in a state of awe and wonder, looking at everything in the world kind of these new eyes and it's quite you know, it's quite like that in the psychedelic experience where you're seeing all these things that you see all the time but now you're seeing them through this different lens that mm-hmm. kind of makes it very awe-inspiring mm-hmm. so, so another thing with the default mode network is this idea of theory of mind and this is something where you, you develop it quite early in childhood I think around the age of about four and it's where you start to understand that other people may hold different Ideas in their minds to you, so it's kind of like realizing that not everybody thinks the same way you do. And it's this thing that comes online in early childhood, and it's you know it's your ability to tune in to other people's perspectives. This is also what the default mode network is responsible for as well. So it's kind of like, right. I guess where everything's like empathy will, will come up. You know, if your ability to really understand somebody else's point of view, somebody else's perspective. That's that's another. part of the framework of the default mode network another thing is future projection so obviously it's pretty self-explanatory um you know when you're thinking about where life might go especially in these crazy covid times Mm -hmm. which can be quite anxiety inducing if you're sort of in a negative spiral of thought in terms of you know what the future holds Um, so it's not always something that can be is going to be totally positive people especially if you're someone that suffers from anxiety I think anxiety is often you know a worry about the future
1: yeah definitely
0: the other thing it holds is your autobiographical memory so this is a, a blend of memories and and events as well integrated into a story about who you think you are and yourself and obviously when it comes to things like memories they're not always 100% accurate. And sometimes memories that we have, we ended up weaving this story about who we are that isn't necessarily the truth. or is not a story that that serves us. And and, and it's a story that can be quite limiting to to how we operate in the world. Mm -hmm. This is all held together in the default mode network as well. And it kind of ties into what your sense of self is. And the sense of self is essentially the ego. And so what's really interesting about the psychedelic experience is that this default mode network shuts down once you're in this experience. And so you're still existing. You're still there, but all of those different bits that we mentioned don't are not in there. They're not talking. And the idea of um, ego is something that's a little bit misunderstood because I think a lot of the time people think that ego is an inflated sense of self. And that's what it is. But that's, that is just one Way of having an ego, but an ego really is a self-referential system. So it's mm-hmm. anytime, anytime you're in a state where you're thinking about who you are and, and what your place is in the world, mm-hmm. um, that's when you're in this, in your ego. And what what the the issue is, and I think why psychedelics are so amazing at, at healing and helping people, is that that story that we all hold in ourselves is often not serve or you know in many ways it will be serving us but in in some ways there'll be areas where we're not we're not doing ourselves justice and we're holding on to to things in our lives that really don't don't serve us and don't protect us i'll give give you an example of for myself actually so yeah for me when i played football growing up and i was at arsenal until i was 19 and i got released from them and i think at that point in my life i was obviously you know i was a kid 19 years old but my whole self, my whole sense of self, my self-identity was, oh, I'm I'm the guy that plays for Arsenal. You know, I'm, you know, I'm going to be a footballer. I'm, you know, I'm doing this. All, all my family, every time they'd see me, would be checking in on how's the football you know, how's it all going. So my whole identity was the guy that plays for Arsenal. And then all of a sudden that was gone and it was taken away. And I remember it was really, really unsettling. And I, at, at the time, held on to these ideas That I just wasn't good enough and that was a story that I told myself that oh you weren't good enough you weren't good enough and it was a story that repeated for probably for years that in many ways in my subconscious I think affected lots of different decisions that I made and 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 other areas of my life of just this kind of deep sort of rooted feeling of just not being good enough
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and then through through exploring the psychedelic experience and then careful integration and, and, and journaling practices afterwards to help make sense of it just realized that that, necess- that isn't necessarily the story and could see that whole story of life and see where it fit into my life and the events that happened afterwards and ultimately came to the realization that the true story is that that path didn't serve me anymore and there's mm-hmm. a, there was a better path waiting it's, it's not a story that I'm not good enough because I am good enough. But it's just that, that path didn't serve me, and just that's that's just that switch and that slight difference in terms of how I have that internal dialogue in my mind. So rather than saying you weren't good enough, saying that path no longer served you is such a huge shift. And it, yeah. it, it's what because words really matter, and you know those those, oh, those little things that we say to each other are, are, are really important.
1: Yeah, so this, I mean I've started journaling as um, I've started journaling, so I can kind of relate to that because I think sometimes like what you're thinking doesn't align with what where you want to go, like your thinking and your what you actually want, like your your true soul purpose or whatever it is, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it, um, is don't align. So so do you kind of journal after you do these experiences because um I've never done that. I've as I said, it's been, you know, more just sort of just for the external stimulus experience Mm -hmm. rather than i've never really kind of gone internal and recorded like everything that happened
0: yeah certainly so i mean so like i say a lot of the experiences that i've had around these things have been done in a a ceremonial sense and when you're doing that it's it's quite interesting because then you're introducing this power of intent and doing something with real intention so literally setting an intention before you go in um and that can be something really specific with something that you want to work on or it can be something that's quite general and just just to be open to, to whatever experiences and teachings and lessons might come your way so one little mantra that i've used before in these kind of ceremonies is just to surrender trust and receive surrender trust receive
2: mm-hmm. and nice.
0: that's quite a powerful little mantra just to kind of keep you open and keep you because because what can happen is obviously once once this this whole sense of self can start to dissolve it can be quite um uncomfortable for for people if you've got if you know that you've got a real strong idea of who and what you are and then you see that dissolve and realize that you're actually everything and you're connected to everything then um it could be quite unsettling and so if you, and you, if you don't surrender to to, to the experience and, and trust that you're okay then not letting go and it can can make it a little bit more of a difficult journey for people definitely um, so with the with, with being in ceremony setting that intention and kind of setting and knowing that you're going into this experience to really be open and and to and to let go can can really help you have a, a better journey and especially you know if you're doing it recreationally and you don't even know that that's a potential thing that can happen then it's definitely it can be really um unsettling if you don't even realize it you know it yeah well, something like that
1: exactly i think the default mode would be just to be like you know freak out panic and
0: yeah um, and that
1: that certainly yeah. happens yeah and i've had that before i've kind of just been like okay you need to just ground yourself a little bit and yeah I don't know go into a safe space and then um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah but um yes
0: yeah, so, yes yeah, so journaling is, is is certainly a part of that ceremonial sort of process as well because after you had the experience you know you it can be quite overwhelming in terms of how much processing that your brain has been doing around you know maybe stories around relationships that you have with people all this all these things going on and I think what really helps is to just get some get some of it down, right write some things down that come in, come into your mind it's similar to to sharing, which is another big part of, of doing it ceremonial as well having these these circles where you share mm-hmm. your intention you share also share your experience in the in the aftermath of it because when you're forced to write something down, not forced, but when you do write something down or you mm-hmm. talk to someone and you share it with them in order in, before that it exists in your mind but it might not be existing there as this nice coherent narrative it might just exist in this kind of jumbled up thoughts and emotions and all these different ways it kind of exists there but then when you when you speak to somebody or you write something down you, you kind of have to give it a bit of narrative and you give it some story and, and that in itself is is really helpful in order, in making sense of it for yourself because you're making it coherent by by verbalizing it or by writing it down, and so that that is a huge part of of starting to understand what the experience means to you personally yeah and, the, and, and, and starting that integration period yeah generally yeah, is huge for that
1: i think um when, when I've done it in the past like afterwards a kind of being my brain has just felt like it's done an actual two-hour four-hour workout and it's you're just kind of like oh my god there's so much yeah well it really has i
0: mean when they scan the brain they literally see that so many different parts of the brain that don't normally communicate are communicating with each other and they're communicating with stronger neural pathways and then more frequent and more more numerous pathways as well so it's, it's wild with how much brain activity actually Does go on so it literally has had a workout
1: yeah (laughs) and and i read that it grows the so uh what is it the hippocampus in the brain is shown to grow up to 500 percent um
2: yeah that's wild
1: that's that's crazy i mean Mm. there's so much there's so many positive benefits but i wanted to touch on the negative sort of um idea that these psychedelics are Well, I think they've got a bad rap, like they're obviously taken across for recreational and in Amsterdam and uh, there's, you know, people people tell stories of seeing, you know, crazy, crazy things and so I think the language around them, because these are their medicines, as you said at the start, so I just wanted to touch on, like, people's you know stereotypes and it's got quite a sort of hippie i i guess like connotation Mm. Mushrooms, yeah so it's
0: a it's a a shame because you know every every indigenous culture across the world has some type of um entheogenic medicine as part Mm. of their their kind of culture and obviously we lost we've lost a lot of that history over here you know when people have come over and and that whole that whole culture has been pretty much wiped out in terms of you know indigenous people of of this land and and what what medicines they might have used you know the witches and whatnot were were burnt at the stakes and just uh, that 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 kind of thing is is just completely lost um to to us really in many ways but yeah they they are a huge part of the human story and I don't know if you're familiar with a guy called Terence McKenna have you heard of him
1: um the name rings a bell but no i can't i can't quite put to mind yeah he
0: he, he's um he wrote a book um, and he's coined a theory called the stoned ape theory where he's there's there's no real understanding of why the human brain doubled in size over a you know relatively short period of time um, and I think it was three times the size actually achieved in the previous, in 4 million years, it grew three times the size and it achieved in the previous 60 million years. Wow. And his, his theory is that these apes were consuming mushrooms and it was giving them all of these different, um, you know, information processing abilities and, um, helping them to kind of organize themselves socially in different ways because of the way they're able to relate to each other. And it's, it's a whole theory and it's super interesting. And
1: wow, you know, I need to read that.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it kind of it makes sense. You know, it, may, it kind of makes sense that that could be a thing that that it was happening. And so, obviously, you know, these these things started to get be studied and um in the '60s and, and '70s, they were they were being studied quite widely and and then being used a lot as well. And you know, I think they got a bit of a there's a bit of a negative connotation associated around them around being you know hippies and dropouts and you know, people that don't necessarily contribute to society in any positive way would engage with these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that that whole era really halted a lot of, of scientific study on them, or all scientific study on them until fairly recently, that has really, really set us back with, with understanding what they are. But, you know, a lot of the indigenous cultures you know, use things like ayahuasca and have done for, for many, many years. And, when you, when you have an experience like that and you, you, you know you, you realize what what exactly it is that you're connecting with it it's it's truly truly beautiful and mind-blowing and and it feels like something that we you know we do need to be studying so it's just fantastic that that these studies are starting to start to happen again and you know every everything that comes out nowadays is just more and more demonstrating that the power of these things to help and heal us and you know all of all of that the scientific work is around what's happening in in the default mode network and
2: Mm. i think
0: it's about 87 percent of the people that did that tried them in one study came back and said it was the most meaningful experience of their life and you know and and i've personally you know met tons of people who've had these experiences and although you know sometimes people can have difficult journeys with them ultimately. You know, the, the, it's what they need. And the, the idea of a bad trip can sometimes be also something that's misleading because, you know, if you're we, if carrying a lot of trauma, coming face to face with and confronting that trauma is not always going to be sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. You know, it's, yeah. It, yeah. It, it could be. It can involve some, some real difficult, true hard truths that you might have to accept. And... And, um, you know, it can involve tears, it can involve, you know, releasing anger, releasing emotions that haven't been expressed throughout the rest of your life. And, And, you know, that on the outside can be viewed as a bad trip, but, you know, the aftermath of that and the process of actually... Facing that, and coming to terms with it, and and releasing the the emotion that hadn't been released previously, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: although although at the time it can be difficult to go through, it it just it leaves you with a huge sense of peace afterwards because you know you know you're you're really going and 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 undoing some of the damage that has been done through you know living through the traumatic experience. Yeah. So when it's when it's in when it's managed in the right space and it's in a a setting where people know, know how to You know, deal with that and guide people through the the more difficult times like that. It's you know that there is no bad trip, but you know if if that's if that starts coming up when you're just trying to have a laugh with your mates somewhere, then then that's when you know it it can get this kind of bad uh, reputation for you know bad trips and these kind of things. Because ultimately, you know, if if you give them the space and you and you and you're just quiet and silent, they have this amazing way of just of giving you what you need and allowing you to go to the places internally that you need to go to 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 heal yourself and, and to to open up to the next level
1: yeah i mean i think I think they need to be treated with a lot of respect and I think that's why the circles um the circles work like if and obviously going in with that intention um and I, I did some yoga training in goa, but we were taught by shamans um and they did a lot of circles like there wasn't any sort of psychedelics involved but there was like cacao ceremonies and they they definitely take a lot of um plant medicine over there so they were talking a lot about it but it's uh we did a lot of sweat lodges and they use oh yeah there these different um cleansing and you do feel like this is powerful stuff like just everything mm-hmm. together it's it's a massive experience so um mm-hmm. but they do treat plant medicine with a, lot, with a lot of respect and i think it's. um it's important to sort of go in with respect to these. Cause oh, you, totally. you, you don't always know what's really going to happen. I mean, the first time you do it, you're not, it's going to be completely different to the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time. Um, mm-hmm. And there's so many different strains. Um, is there a specific kind of, what do you, what do you, I want to talk about microdosing as well, but um, I think like, the way I've sort of been following it is just by Paul Stamets talking about the different strains. I know he's got his, um, his, uh, his stack protocol that you were talking about.
0: Yes. So the, the Stamets stack. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Paul, I mean, Paul Stamets is, you know, he's pretty much the go-to guy for um, any kind of mushroom knowledge. He, he's a, uh, yes. Yeah, he's the mushroom guy. Yeah. Super <laughs> interesting. Um, yeah super interesting dude who's had some amazing uh got some really good stories about his experience in with these things and so i first heard him on a podcast and was re- yeah, really really drawn to him and he spoke about this this stack of of um two different mushrooms and then something called niacin um in, as, a, as a way of microdosing and microdosing protocol so it's, it's his protocol is psilocybin um alongside lion's mane which is another type of mushroom it's really effective uh, uh, for inflammation um, heart and brain health and whatnot. and then niacin is a vasodilator so this imp- improves the deliverability of the of the stack um, so with this his protocol you're you're taking the, the microdose for 5 days and then you take 2 days off and that's I've I've explored this one for cycling on for two months and then having a having a month off.
2: Okay. And
0: I found it yeah I found it really really nice and really interesting and would just go through days and when I when I'm working individually with people and physically and in that sort of training I often have to explain various different movements and or ways of approaching the movements and I and I found that my ability to articulate and explain and to come up with analogies and that sort of thing. It just felt like it was more tuned in and I just felt like I, I, could, I could do that on a level that allowed them to really connect and understand to what I was trying to get across. Yeah. I, just, I just noticed an improvement in that. Um, the other thing I noticed an improvement in was my writing ability and just being, being able to express my ideas in the written word as well i felt like that, that I,
1: I need to try um, that i'm a cop. i do copywriting so that'll be interesting yeah <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. so those those are definitely definitely two areas i mean i'm gen, generally pretty um you yeah, know i'm pretty i'm pretty stable um yeah, in terms of my mood most days so I, I'm, I'm in good mood but I, so I didn't notice a massive shift in my mood elevation but like i say, i don't think i think i'm generally pretty pretty high in, energy and good good in a good mood anyway so I don't mm-hmm. think it kind of took me any any further than that but I know um, a lot of people do have um, experiences of it improving their mood quite a bit as well and the other thing that's quite interesting that um, I know people have explored with it is, is being really intentional with the microdose so so doing the taking the microdose giving it you know 45 minutes or so to setting and then saying like, I'm allocating this time for this project whether that is I don't know Researching something for a business idea, or um writing some ideas down for something, or you know, studying and and doing it like that has been hugely effective in the people that have I know that have, have tried to explore it in that way. And I think part of that is 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 simply just the just the power of being intentional with your time and focus because I think that alone, without the microdose, is obviously a good a good way to operate. But I think um, You know, having having doing it alongside this, it it seems to have been really, really powerful for people in terms of having that focus time and their ability to connect ideas together and whatnot as they're they're Mm. working through these things.
1: Yeah, I mean, but the stomach stack is that they don't, those, uh, was lion's mane and uh, lion's
0: mane, psilocybin, and niacin.
1: Oh, so you do take psilocybin in that stack, yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I was okay cool so have you um have you found you're able to get into like more of a flow state with your own practice because i'm really interested in um obviously getting into the flow state and using microdosing to help with brain you know Mm -hmm. brain productivity focus and yeah what have you found with with your yeah i mean
0: training and, and movement feels really good i feel like it's almost I feel a little bit more expansiveness in my breath when I'm, when I'm uh microdosing as well. I feel like I take longer and deeper breaths just as a, as a natural way of being. And then in terms of the movement side of things, it's um, I just get really tuned in, really tapped into to the drills that I'm doing and really connected to, to the task. Um, everything I, I, f- I feel like I'm feeling, I guess this goes back to that, Idea of interoception, inter- where your your ability to sense these internal sensations is, is maybe is maybe being sort of heightened when I'm in that state because you know even if I'm just doing like a single arm scapular pull, I just get extra tuned in and tapped into the sensations that I'm feeling around that and you know where all the muscles are working and the attachments and you know all these different things are, are going on in there. Um, so That's I think awesome. Physically, it is it, quite an interesting thing to explore as well
1: yeah i've heard they um in silicon valley they just they're always microdosing they're just Mm. (laughs) always taking it to you know be optimized the whole Mm -hmm. the whole day Um, yeah
0: yeah for sure i mean it's um it's a it's an amazing nootropic and i think it's it's only going to go one way in terms of the development and you know people doing more and more studies i don't think there's so many studies on microdosing at the moment but there's a lot of anecdotal evidence a lot of people um sharing their experiences and you know it's vastly positive experiences with very very little side effects and um people just being you know having really really positive things and you know these are natural substances from the earth they're not they're not chemicals
1: Mm -hmm. so in terms of the um the studies so i know they've 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 basically been doing studies into a lot of trauma um and taking higher doses. Um and obviously there's not many studies around microdosing. So I'm I'm super Mm. curious to see where that goes. But I think that will that's hopefully going to come about. But in terms Mm -hmm. of the um the studies into yeah, what are the 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 most recent studies into like the kind of because I know they're saying Alzheimer's and, and depression, but there's there's also that side where it's like the there's sort of two groups of people some are more open to it and then there's maybe some people that shouldn't go there do you think or
0: yeah I mean I mean in terms of you know if you're people that shouldn't do it if you're on any kind of antidepressants or SSRIs um, definitely a thing to avoid for a number of months before any sort of psychedelic experience. Although, mm-hmm. again, here I've, I've seen um, anecdotal reports of people who are, have been on antidepressants and take and microdosed and, you know, have, and have had no problems at all. But I mm-hmm. definitely wouldn't ever advise it. And certainly not for any sort of larger doses for sure. And then if you've had any experience with psychosis or anything like that, it, these are not, not things to get yourself into yet. You, know, you probably need to have some time the therapist and, and work through that and um yeah you're going to want to avoid uh, macro macrodoses for sure yeah um in terms of studies i mean yeah there's there, these things are being studied so much at the moment that there's they seem to be coming out with more and more things all the time i know um there's one where they had had a look at people's addiction to smoking
2: mm-hmm.
0: I think this is in about 2017 um, and it got pretty impressive results um, and then 12, I think 12 months after the study 67% of the participants were smoke-free they weren't taking any wow. smoking at all and so that's it's pretty pretty interesting and I guess a lot of these it, it's it's the psilocybin it's not like they don't just give it to you and you just take it and then you know it's, it's done alongside therapy and there's some really interesting different um, therapies that or methods of therapy that that kind of uh, go hand in hand with this this kind of uh, work really well um they've also they've done it for addiction to alcohol as well um not 100 yeah, sure i think, sure I think that, numbers for
1: that yeah the addiction the addiction side is i've been seeing a lot of research about you know using mm-hmm. using psilocybin to get over addiction so i think that's yeah. that's that's really interesting because i think mm it's something about yeah just resetting the brain and um you see the neuro neuro neurogenesis and just taking people out of their um their old habits and just kind of rewiring um Mm. in a way so well this is
0: yeah this is it you know it's i think about 96 percent of the time we, we run off of our subconscious programming so we're not even Conscious of the uh, the decisions that we're, we're making and you know the, the the talk that's going on in our minds and so when you have this experience, you know particularly if you're depressed and you think about a depressed person, w- w- when you're depressed, your default mode network is a lot more active than, mm-hmm. than someone that's not depressed. So you're you're constantly in that self-referential system, and that and you're constantly in it in a negative act way.
2: Mm-hmm. So.
0: Obviously having, this is why it's so effective at treating it because that switches off and you, you've got some peace from it for a while. And then when it comes back online, you've let, you ultimately let go of some of the, some of the ideas of, of who you thought you were that were not serving you anymore. And so many of us are suffering from, from things like that. This, this, you know, low self, low sense of self that it's, it's fantastic for this uh, treatment of depression. Yeah there's some interesting numbers actually around the um the idea of the of bad trips and, and challenging experiences um so I think there's there's a study where they 39% of people rated it as one of the most the five most challenging experiences of their lifetime and, and the worst experience of their lifetime but 84% of them um said that it was it had benefits so it, even though it was difficult it was really beneficial
1: oh wow okay Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean that's this this that's the thing i think to a lot of people it's probably going to be very very scary um experience and Mm -hmm. right rightly so but i think Mm. it's also difficult because people it's like a subjective experience what you go through you know if you see something or go into like a negative memory uh it might be labeled a bad experience and then Just that, like, like language about it. I think is very. You've got. I think when you do these trips, I think you've got to be really careful about how you describe it to other people. Because sometimes, Mm -hmm. like, because you obviously these. I don't know. I think labeling it bad and good is just really, really um, limiting. So.
0: Yes, exactly. That's it. It's more. I think challenging is probably a, a better. A better term for it, rather than bad and good.
1: Yeah. What's the worst kind of? Have you ever had like a really bad experience with it, or have you? I guess. Um, no, let's take away bads. Um, challenging. <laughs> challenging.
0: Challenging. Yes. I mean, certainly, um, Ayahuasca for sure has um, has been in, uh, had some incredibly challenging experiences with that, and you know, this is something where you're, you know, it's going to bring you to the point of purging, which is, you know, throwing up and and diarrhea and all these yeah. kind of things and it's you know it's it's controllable you know you're not just um sitting at your bed just letting it all out but you know it's um it can be very uh, uncomfortable like throwing up and, and purging like that and it's it's such a necessary part of the of releasing the trauma you know any, anything that, you, that happens to you in in the sense of um, trauma you hold on to energetically and it sort of stays in your tissue. Mm-hmm. There's a really interesting um, thing that we that we go through. So all mammals go through the same response to um, uh, seeing something threatening. So what, at the point of seeing it, you know, the eyes are widened, they might crouch down a little bit, and then they'll either they'll leave a fight, or it's the fight or flight thing. So they'll leave a fight, or they'll run off. And if they if they attempt to run away, and then the lion, for instance, if we're talking about a gazelle and the lion catches the gazelle. Yeah, and then it'll do something. It'll freeze, and it, as if it's um, as if it's dead. And then the lion, if it loses focus for just a second, the gazelle will run off and then get away. And then once it's run off, it goes through another instinctual process where it will just tremble and shake. And it does this to to release the trauma of the experience. This is why you know these gazelles and other animals that are living amongst savage predators are not running around being traumatised and just. You know, nervous wrecks because of all these things that are out there trying to kill them. But as humans, we do all of those processes. So we, you know, our eyes widen, we crouch down when we perceive a threat, we, we have the fight or flight mechanism, but we don't have the, the trembling and the shaking to release the trauma. So okay. we have all these traumatic experiences, but then we don't complete that, that process. So we, we hold on to that trauma so you often see in these psychedelic experiences people like that and i've experienced it myself as well you you know you you have this trembling and this shaking that that, that happens and it, it can be introduced to breath work as well and other other um, practices like um, cranial sacral therapy and, and this sort of thing too which is really i found really interesting just this idea of, of kind of trauma staying with you and and, and uh it coming out in these ways,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I know people that have done the ayahuasca retreats, and um mm. gotta say, it does sound like so intense. I think, um, I'm very curious, but also it's mm. like you know, Pandora's box, you don't really know <laughs> what's going to come mm-hmm. out the other side, so um, yeah,
0: yeah, no, yeah. It's, so yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, it's been it, there have been some very, very tough times in that, when, when particularly in the, the last one I did, um. I I took another. They offered another medicine called harpe, which is a blend of tobacco and leaves and other herbs that they are put together, and then they're blown through a pipe up both of your nostrils. And it's, wow. it, it, yeah, it's yeah, it's super intense. And then it, they the, what they the way they they explained it was that the harpe will either Bring on the medicine if it's if it's not feeling like much is happening, or if you're feeling really overwhelmed by it, it will bring you back down. And I I had been in a pretty comfortable place. I was just you know I was having some beautiful realizations and downloads about relationships and things going on in my life, and Mm -hmm. so you know I went I thought oh let me let me dive in for the happy and did it and. um, it was as soon as I did it it just I could I could just feel this crazy rush of of energy into my head and then at that point I hadn't purged at all at that point then I could feel this this purge coming on and it was the most intense purging I've ever done in terms of just like out into this bucket like throwing up at the end of my bed and yeah and I just I remember feeling at the time I felt like I don't it just pops into my head that I was releasing this ancestral trauma this this you know this long-term deep-rooted trauma was coming out and i I was literally like my my legs were were shaking and i was just saying you've got the strength to get through this you can get through this you can get through this and you know when you when you go through something like that and you come out the other side it just is quite empowering you know because you think you know i did that i got through it i faced Mm. i faced whatever it was i had to face there And, and do you
1: think do you think do you think after that you were kind of a different person like in a small way or
0: Oh. yeah certainly I mean the the big lesson for that was because so that was the I did that the first time and then the later on in the evening that ceremony um they offered it again and for some reason I was like yeah I'll, I'll go for it again so I did it again and it was actually <laughs> and it was worse it was, it was even worse and sort of it's probably about 20 minutes of just feeling like you know the, the weakest I've ever felt and just like you know I'm going to get through, I have to get through this. And so then the next day on the next ceremony, I thought, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do the Harpe today. Cause I did it yesterday. I did, the, I did it twice. I did the hard work today. I'm just going to take it easy. I'm going to coast through. And so then when it came time to offering it, I had this little dialogue with, with Mother Ayahuasca in my mind. And she was like, no, it doesn't work like that. You have to show up every day and do the work. Like you don't just do it one day and then that's it. You take take a day off. Every day yeah. you have know, to show up you do it. So I was like, oh, no, so what, I have to go and do it again? And she was like, yeah, you have to go and, you have to go and do it again. So I was like, oh, my God, okay. So I got up, got into line, and I did it again, and it was a completely different experience. There was none of the sickness at all. It was almost like it was a test. It was showing, it was teaching me that the way you, you, you have to confront the difficult thing that you don't want to do yeah. every day if you ever want to get anything. And uh, I think that was a lesson that I really needed to hear. Mm-hmm. and it, it was a really um you sort of you start to connect these interesting lessons together with, with the way the experience goes and that was a powerful teacher for me
1: mm-hmm. and, and so did, me did, did you go did you go in in with an intention on these 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 sessions
0: oh yeah for sure yeah. um yeah um always um particularly with with ayahuasca and and with, with psilocybin and yeah have, have an intention beforehand and they often say that she doesn't always give you what you want but she'll give you what you need and that's um certainly certainly uh been the case for the experiences that I've had with it and I think for me at the time of my intention was to really dive into a bit of my subconscious programming and try and understand what 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 that really was and how I can improve that and how I can you know, release some of the things that don't don't serve me. Some of the stories that I've been telling myself about who I am and what I'm capable of and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it was it was yeah, hugely powerful for that. Like, you know, the whole experience definitely led me to a point of feeling really empowered and powerful. And you know, at one point in there, I just could feel this almost felt like electricity moving through my body. And I was thinking about all of these people in my life that I have um like creative projects business projects um sort of at the start of or in the process of and I I just felt this huge creative force in me I just Mm -hmm. like I could I felt this mad desire to just create like I was like oh I'm so excited I just want to go and create things and do things and it it was such a beautiful energy that I could feel in me and it was it was uh I think sometimes, you know, you, you get, you experience things like that because it's, it's, it's almost showing you that is in you, that yeah. fit, that, that, yeah. that energy is there. And it's like, we're going to show you it in its full, because one of my intentions was to come face to face with my own um, potential and to really understand what my potential is. And it was almost yeah. like it, sh- it showed me how much raw, powerful, creative energy there is in there. And and it's like you, I can tap into that if you if you you know if you do the work and you, you know you do things the right way, it's there, it's in you. Yeah. And so it was uh, that was beautiful to just experience that to feel it because I've never felt anything like it. I just was, I couldn't believe. I just felt so excited and just eager to just. Oh, I just want to get some ideas down and talk to people and make things and manifest all these visions and dreams that I've got.
1: Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. I think I think that's one of the most interesting things. Um for me is like the creative potential part because I think there's so much stuff like just crap in the way like so much crap that just gets in the way and you just kind of it's sometimes I feel like it's just you're not really clear um well mm-hmm. I'm not really I haven't got like the clarity that I want in
2: mm-hmm. but you,
1: you know that you've got it kind of in you but you're not really aware what it is you don't you yeah. know like how far you can go or kind of where the direction you want to go so I think the, the thing I love about like the psychedelic um, experiences are you just get clarity like on everything mm. and you're just, yeah. I mean, even if the thoughts that are coming into your mind are you wake up the next day and you're like, well, that was, <laughs> that, that, that is mental. Like there's no, <laughs> no way I'm doing that. It's just some, some stuff in the moment can come and you're like, oh my God, why, how have I not seen this before? So
0: yeah. The, yeah. The clarity is, is a beautiful yeah. thing. I've actually i'll I'll share with you actually i wrote i wrote something down after this experience of um of feeling you know this creativity and and just this experience with this intention of sort of understanding my potential so i so as I'm brought face to face with the fullness of my own potential, I come to realize that to live this life requires honesty, integrity, and vision an unshakable holding to that vision which serves as a metaphorical lighthouse in the distance, guiding me through stormy ocean waves towards the light and the promise of abundant pastures. The vision requires focus, for it is something to be built brick by brick, day by day, without falling into the traps of society's never-ending distractions. If I'm to reach the light being projected toward me that promises so much, I cannot idly sit and wait, for then I'm subject to the winds and tides which will lead me astray. No, I must take action and use these forces to propel me in the direction of the vision, in the direction of the light.
1: Ah, that's amazing. I love it. That's so cool. When did you write that that straight away after your...
0: Yeah, so that was just after the um, experience kind of, you know, often I think it's really important to sit and to journal and to try and make sense of the experience. And I find that if I'm able to write something down that is, you know, like stirs up the emotion it it kind of can bring me back to really feeling the the kind of energy that was feeling in that in the moment there where I was um connected to you know these these higher realms yeah so it's yeah I think I often often go back to read that and to try and remind myself of it again
1: Reminder. I love that because sometimes I've had the know an awesome experience and then you wake up next day in your bedroom and it's you know Monday or whatever like actually probably like a (laughs) Sunday, and um, you're kind of like, oh, that was so amazing yesterday, but I wish I could have held on to it. I like Mm -hmm. can't quite, can't like you kind of almost like a little mini sort of come down where you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like you want to be able to, yeah, have that. So I think journaling or something definitely needs to happen.
0: The the integration is is arguably just as important as the the psychedelic experience because you know if you what what is the point of any experience that you have if if it doesn't you know change you in some way you know and so i think and i think it's super easy especially be, you know a lot of the time with these experiences you're you're going away you're in a different place you know you're around you're not around the usual distractions and the usual kind of triggers that might be triggering bad habits and whatnot so you can have this beautiful experience but then when you get back home If you just slot back into the same behavioral patterns and doing the same things, and it's very easy to, to just kind of park the experience away and all the kind of lessons that you got, not not integrate them so i definitely encourage people to always try you know whatever it is one new behavioral pattern or behavior that you can integrate whether it's like okay right from now on every every morning at this time i'm gonna meditate and then set my set my intention for the day or i don't know something something that's you know small not a big commitment but some sort of behavioral change because that, that is kind of inspired from, from the experience that you know and it could be some lots of different things that depending on what the experience you have is, but trying to just change one little thing is huge. Because then every time you're engaging it again, you're reminding yourself of the reason why it's because you've had this experience that was so profound and you want to hold on to the positive changes that that might've been highlighted that you can make in your life.
1: Yeah. I think um, with these kind of experiences, it's like, it's not just the actual in the moment experience. It's, it's, there's so much of it is about the integration part afterwards, you know, the, mm. the the safety bit afterwards, the kind of knowing how to deal with what you've just experienced, like going, what do you do with all the the new stuff that, um, you know, even on like some of the smaller experiences, like you might just have had one thought, like how do you not just kind of lose that because otherwise it is yeah. just like wasted magic or mm. like w- wasted um information that yeah. Yeah, I've learned something today um, from you about that.
0: Um, yeah, Ramdas talks a lot about it as well. Where he, are you familiar with Ramdas? Um, what?
1: What's his, for, what's his full name? No, I don't think so. God, his, real to...
0: name's Richard Alpert, but he, he's given a name Ramdas. That sounds
1: sounds more inspiring.
0: And he's got some really interesting talks just about the psychedelic experience and about getting. Um not not physically addicted, but addicted to the feeling of being at one with the divine that that feeling of being completely connected to to everything in nature and in the world, and then kind of coming back and not feeling divine and and only kind of experiencing that when you are in that state and what the what the trick really is is that these things if they show you if they show you that show you that connectedness and that well, that state of being it's actually showing you that this is what this is the goal this is what you need to be aiming to create the conditions for in everyday life that you can kind of achieve these beautiful states and they're pretty lofty states in terms of how amazingly beautiful they are but i know for me personally i would i felt like it that's a step point in my life over the past eight years I had relied I'd I'd kind of you know the weeks would build up and the stress would accumulate and I'd think oh you know I need to need to connect reconnect reconnect to that and it's like that's just the idea as if I'm you know you're never disconnected you're always connected but I felt like oh I need to reconnect to this you know psychedelic state to to feel one with the divine again and I got Mm -hmm. some pretty pretty harsh downloads that you know you need to do the internal work yourself and and work on your meditation practice work on your journaling to kind of go inward a little bit more that's that's where you're going to find that connection to the divine it's not only through these substances and that was a huge realization for me and the massive inspiration to really up my meditation and my, my own inward practice
1: yeah yeah i think um I like that I was listening to Matthew McConaughey podcast. He just goes on these kind of like journeys by himself. He know he does like so much um introspect, introspective um mm-hmm. I don't know, experiences. So I think if you just kind of rely on just taking sub substance and then not doing the actual work behind it, it could just obviously substance addiction. Like you don't want to I don't know if you even can get addicted to magic mushrooms or, you know, psilocybin, but um mm-hmm. yeah, I think as i said they need to be respected and they're just kind of like a little gateway to to um to something um, yeah
0: totally yeah they, it's it have i think it's super important to hold the utmost respect for them and mm. um you know, and what they can do and in terms of you know really really understanding the truth about what we even are as beings and, and you know our place in this life and in the universe and everything it's it's phenomenal and you know, i feel like i had to unlearn so much from the conditioning i had growing up as you know in, in this in this life and world and and the psychedelics have definitely sent me down a path of, of learning what resonates as the truth for me and so much more in terms of you know just you know what we are and how how beautifully magical we are as beings and, and whatnot
1: yeah i love how you talk about it you should you should do more writing Get a blog <laughs> going. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: I'm, I'm trying to do a bit more.
1: You should. So um so thank thanks so much for talking about it. And where can people find about more about um your upcoming retreats and when are they gonna start? Did you say next so
0: year? So the Yeah um it's probably yeah, it'll be the ones in Costa Rica will be towards the end of this year. Um and then the best place to connect with me is on Instagram and that's Sesto Flow S E S T O Flow, all one word. Mm-hmm. Um, and then get I'll along also, to your classes. Yeah, come along to the classes. And that's uh, Flow State Collective. The Instagram is flowstate.collective. And we're running in Batsy Park. Um,
1: oh, perfect.
0: In the sunshine, hopefully.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe um, June.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's it. Maybe June will be a little bit more. But we've, been, we've managed to dodge the rain so far. It's been okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Those are the best places and various retreats. I also do. Okay return to nature retreat in wales that kind runs the next one is in june on the 22nd of june
1: ah, um, okay is that sort of snowdonia area or
0: it's north wales it's um in the Berwyn mountains and this is a place um or a space for people to just disconnect from the everyday responsibilities allow themselves space to connect to nature and to connect internally and we just have a lot of beautiful nature hikes and wild swimming and amazing discussions um, that sounds incredible
1: i just nice, came uh, back from wales so um mm. it's just so beautiful out there like absolutely stunning and just yeah it's just one of the most i think just one of the most amazing places to go hiking because it's just so
0: the yeah, scenery is around
1: you yeah it's orange yeah,
0: lovely yeah and um yeah men's retreats as well we'll be launching in October this year. So these are spaces uh, for men, to come just because from the work I've been doing, really noticed how important it is for, for men to have that space to to open up and to to be vulnerable and to share, you know, what's going on with them.
1: Mm-hmm. Super so cool. Be in October. October. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lots lots of exciting stuff coming up. Well, thank you so much for jumping on on the podcast. And um, I've got yeah, made some notes all the names that you mentioned and hopefully dropping along to your flow state class um but yeah
0: amazing thank you, thank you for having you me so much
1: no worries